Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Today we're going backstage with James Murnier, who's currently touring the UK in Sunset Boulevard. I'm Mikey Worrell. James and I met up a few weeks ago while the tour was in Manchester. Here's our conversation. James Murnier, thank you for talking to me. Um, it's a pleasure. We're in your dressing room in the Palace Theatre in Manchester. Indeed. Um, you were just telling me how beautiful it is yeah, and how it's lovely, lovely you feel to perform here. It's lovely here. It's, it's just such a, a, a vast, big theatre, which was, you know, kind of matches Sunset Boulevard and the feel of Sunset Boulevard. And, um, and it's, and it, that, you know, that massive auditorium and... Yeah, yeah, it's lovely here. I'm, I'm really enjoying myself in this theatre, so... And what about the tour? How's the tour going? Oh, it's brilliant. It's it's uh, such a brilliant piece of writing to, to be involved in. And and then, you know, the fact that we've got this orchestra, basically, and it's so unusual to actually have a kind of a full orchestra. Yeah, 16-piece orchestra, yeah. which is amazing. Possibly all of our favourite days so far has been the Sits Probe, which is often the case, you know, with a musical. But really, this one was really special because you just sat there in that room, absolutely surrounded by this luscious music, and it's such an amazing score by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Do you think it's his best? I think it could well be. I mean, it, what it is is it's a really grown-up show in the sense that it's it's got so many different layers to it. There are those moments of pure romance, like Too Much Enough to Care, where you get a kind of luscious Rodgers and Hammerstein feel and then there's with one look which sort of has that that grandeur to it as well but but a lot of the music is is just really clever and really precise in the way that it's written and um, and the lyrics and the book writing is incredible by Don Black and, and Christopher Hams- Hampton and of course it always depends on what's your taste in in, totally, in musicals totally. but i think i think for actually the fact that it has that mixture it has that mixture of pure romance and emotion um, at the same time as having that really clever edge to it. Well, know? yeah, I was just going to say there's that slightly darker edge you get with the title yeah. song at the top of Act Two. Oh, exactly. Where... That's a that's a great song to to sing and to to perform, and it's it's because the the lyrics are so rich, and vocally it goes so many different places, and it's got that intensity to it. At the same time, it's the storytelling, you know, is is moving throughout that song with all of the symbolism and the lyrics and everything. Sure, I came out here to make my name. Wanted my pool, my dose of fame. Wanted my parking space at Warner's. But after a year of one-room hell, a Murphy bed, a rancid smell, wallpaper peeling at the corners. Sunset Boulevard, twisting Boulevard, secretive and rich, a little scary. Sunset Boulevard, tempting Boulevard, waiting there to swallow the unwary. It's a really, really good show, and um, Rhea Jones, rightly, is getting extremely good reviews, and she's just, you know, and the standing ovations are very much, you know, well-earned, because she's doing an absolutely amazing job of, of Norma. I mean, it's an incredible role, for one thing, but she's absolutely uh, nailing it, and, and she's amazing. Danny, Danny's a fantastic Joe. He's really, really doing a, a, an amazing job. He's a real, real pro. Um, he started in musical theatre, trained in musical theatre, and the beginning of his career was in musical theatre, and he's, he's performed in lots of musicals, so he's really um, a really, really kind of a, a really seasoned pro, and um, he's, he's really, really solid, so... Um, yeah, but we're we're doing our understudy um, rehearsals now, 
uh, for second covers. So I've just had the pleasure today of, of singing Sunset Boulevard and and doing uh, lots of the Joe scenes with, with Norma Desmond with our second cover, Norma. But it's even just a pleasure to rehearse it, actually, you know, and when we actually do our full run and we'll have the, the orchestra there, um, that's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to doing that. Danny's obviously a huge name because of Strictly. What is it like to understudy a, a big name like that? Do you feel a bit more pressure um, on days when you might have to go uh, on? Because of, because of that audience reaction, obviously when, when Glenn Close went off when Rhea was understudying her at the ANO, yeah. there was that controversy over but people, when you've got a name. People sometimes boo. And that people kind of sometimes have yeah. the wrong reaction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen that being in, in, in an audience myself, you know, because I've gone to watch friends who've gone on for, for parts and sometimes for, for big names. So I've, I've seen that. And it's really interesting, actually, because you sometimes, I have experienced that where a friend is being booed. But then a, a wonderful thing happens, I think, that they think, well, oh, we, you know, we're disappointed because we're not seeing the person that we, we sort of wanted to see. But then by the end of the show they get this massive reaction because they would realise, oh, well, actually, this person's amazing too, you know, and, and they, so it, it, that's a nice journey to, to have seen, you know, um, just being in the audience. But yeah, no, I don't know, I don't know if I sort of necessarily feel, I mean, Danny's a really, really, really lovely guy, um, which obviously, you know, helps. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so there's that real sense of, of camaraderie and everything there. And then, you know, I think sometimes that's going to happen. You know, sometimes that's going to happen. And, and, uh, and I suppose you just have to kind of, um, to, to not let it affect you. You know, that's the main thing. And I think it, it's always recognising that it doesn't come from a, a malicious place, even though it's not, it's not great audience etiquette, is it? Let's be honest. No. But it doesn't come from a malicious place because it's, it's literally just those people. I think it's fair to look at it as it's just those people a bit disappointed that they haven't seen that person that they know that, 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 that they're not on. But and I, su- I suppose if they're strictly viewers, then they're not necessarily theatre goers. Yeah. They're coming to the theatre and they're going to have a different experience yeah. to the one they're expecting. Yeah, yeah. And there's that initial disappointment, but, yeah. you know, they might go in booing, but they leave... Thrilled. Exactly, exactly. And then you've done your job. Then you've done a, 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 a good job. And actually, as you say, there might be people who don't normally come to the theatre. And then actually, if they've, which I think they do anyway, actually, leave the show um, with a totally new experience and, and, and hopefully a totally new love of, of theatre that they hadn't had before. In a way, that's part of your job, isn't it? That you're, um, that you're just part of giving them that experience. So I think you, it's just stuff like that. You just have not, not let it get to yeah. you. So you're saying you've been re- rehearsing with the second cover for, yeah. for Norma. Yes. Are you nervous? Are you excited at the opportunity to, to, to go on stage and do it opposite Rhea Jones? I did some little bits of rehearsing with Rhea just because of schedules. So I've actually done a bit of, of Joe and Norma stuff with Rhea already. Um, but I mean, she's lovely as well. So, you know, <laughs> everyone's lovely. <laughs> I mean, we're spoiled. No, she's really lovely. And, and again, I, I think you, if you feel that, you have that kind of supportive um, atmosphere and supportive spirit behind you. And you don't feel you don't feel scared about about that or anything. If, if anything, I just feel extremely excited. Is it is it just a, a, a whole day of pinch me moments? Exactly, exactly. It will it, it would be exactly like that. Yeah, it would just be a joy. Um, and and she's just a joy a joy to work with anyway. And when when that show finally arrives, when you do get to to go on as Joe, yeah. what what bit is the the best bit for you? I mean, it be it, it seems obvious to kind of say, well, the song Sunset Boulevard. That's kind of Joe's big monologue slash big song, you know. Um, yeah, I think I'll enjoy that. That always the funny thing is that was always my kind of go-to song 
right from when I started auditioning for sort of drama school and everything like that, you know. So it's funny how it's kind of slightly come full circle like that. So I think that will kind of, in a, in a, in a way, be a special moment for that reason. The thing with Joe is that he, he's constantly, because he's kind of the narrator of the piece, he's almost on stage all the time and he's guiding everyone through the piece. And it's a bit, it's kind of operatic in a sense that you've got that main number, Sunset Boulevard, but a lot of it is just kind of all joined up together and kind of through sung. It's difficult to pick out an individual moment other than that. I mean, Too Much and Love to Care as well is, lovely, is a lovely sing as well, so I think I'd, I'll enjoy that very much. Um, I think I'll probably just enjoy hearing the overture. The, you know, the night I'm going on, yeah, just yeah. enjoy hearing the overture starting up and like, oh, here we go, you know. <laughs> I love the car chase, the music of the car chase. Oh, is oh my gosh. Do you know, actually, that's the funny thing. When I was just talking earlier about that kind of emotional day of the sits probe the point where I started getting teary <laughs> where other people did as well was the car chase I think is it because the tempo <laughs> picks up and you get that, yeah. that first big push and you get the first um, da, 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 the first theme yeah. of thing coming through at and they point. make you wait for it don't they yeah. they, they don't give there's a build up to it and it suddenly comes out It's funny, I've never got emotional at a car chase before. (laughs) (laughs) But it's such an amazing bit of music that, and I think that introduces that introduces the feel of what's to come, you know, um, with with the rest of the score. Which I what what we're talking sort of like it's sort of third scene in, it's difficult to define, but I suppose it's about the kind of third scene in and and that's when we first get the full luscious swirl Mm. of the orchestra there. Um, but you do you get a little bit of that in, in the overture. So I think they tease you know, it though, don't yeah, they? Yeah, that's I mean, right. When I it's when I first clever. saw the show, I did, I wasn't familiar with it with all of it. Yeah. And it got to that point, and I was thinking, why hasn't there been a big, yeah. a big bit of yeah. music yet? And then yeah. it happens, and you're like, oh, okay, there it's it is. So clever, yeah. Because I, I suppose you know when you're going to an Andromeda Bubba show anyway, there's going to be that. Yeah. So it's very clever to kind of make people just wait for it, and and actually the beginning is very much here's the story. It's literally him speaking to the audience saying. Let me take you back six months. He's telling telling the story, getting us into that into that zone, and then, as you say, out of nowhere comes this big romantic, luscious um, sound. You were saying Sunset Boulevard was your go-to audition. It was song. actually, yeah. Was this a role that you were looking out for? Was it was it one that was always on your your hit list? I think it was, but sort of in the back of my mind because I hadn't seen it. I hadn't. I'd seen the film actually, interestingly. Um, but I'd never seen the whole... I just watched clips of it, and, and um, I'd seen Glenn Close um, and playing Norma sort of, you know, on YouTube or whatever. But I never saw this musical all the way through until last year when it was at the ENA. It was last year, wasn't it? The, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. As soon as I saw it, I was like, well, yes, I want to do that. <laughs> I think it's one of those parts that I sort of had in the back of my mind. But as I say, I hadn't really actually watched it all the way through, so I didn't really know what the rest of the part was, was like. There's something that chimed with me about about the role something about the um, the interest and the uh, complexity of the lyrics at the same time as having this kind of big bold you know proper big musical number feel to the whole um, to the whole part basically I think that's what it is I think it's that combination yeah and I feel like it really contrasts with a lot of the other shows that he's written yeah because you know you you can listen to Evita and you can hear bits of Joseph in it but I feel like you listen to Sunset and you only hear Sunset it's very individual isn't it and the musical ideas are sort of really individual and um, 
just interesting really I mean these kind of jazzy rhythms tell you what they're actually tricky to get when you first start rehearsing um, there are lots of numbers um, that are very very tricky rhythmically to actually get because because of the complexity and the time signatures changing here and there but it it, it it absolutely communicates what the piece is about. Sometimes in the time signature changes, it's because of a rift or a change in, in a thought or a kind of discombobulation or whatever in a character's mind. And, uh, and how amazing that Andrew Lloyd Webber's managed to, to do that, you know, to kind of... It's almost sometime-esque, isn't it? Yeah. How, how it goes it is. from how the theme and the motifs change so yeah. quickly and you get like a yeah. little bit of this and a little bit of that. Yeah. And some of it's as hard to learn, <laughs> actually. As a, but but so rewarding when you get it, actually. And um, and as I say, once once you get it, it actually feels like the most natural thing in the world. Everything feels like it kind of flows out. But of course, the first time you're looking at it on the page, it's oh, how do I get my head around this? But you know, it's good writing when it's actually easy eventually to to learn and to get into your muscle memory. This is the longest tour you've done, you said. Yeah, um, absolutely. You've done a lot of shorter tours. And, mm. and also, you've did between plays and musicals more than most actors yeah. seem to do. I ha- was that a conscious decision? It wasn't initially at all, because um, I trained at the Royal Academy of Music uh, on the musical theatre course there. And I remember, I remember when I was training there, getting as much from both sides of it that I really, really loved... And I was singing a lot of Android Webber songs, actually, and I was singing a lot of kind of classics, musical theatre, as well as sometime, um, and, and new writers. But I was getting so much from that singing, from the singing side of it. At the same time, I was getting, I was getting loads from the acting side of it. I was really enjoying that side of it. And it just so happened, really, that by chance, my first theatre job when I graduated was uh, in The Importance of Being Earnest at the English Theatre in Frankfurt. And I loved that. I really enjoyed that. Um, because I'd enjoyed it, I think I, then I kind of went on that track for a while. I thought, oh, let's try this, you know, and, and, and did uh, quite a few plays and things like that. But it's funny, just in the last year, in fact, at the beginning of, of this year, I'd done Panto for the first time, and I played The Beast. And I really, I just enjoyed it so much because it was, um, I think when you do Beauty and the Beast as Panto, actually, it's very much more kind of story-led feel. And, and you really get to forgive the pun, get your teeth into the character. Uh, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I like um, that one. Yeah, but um, I, I was get, had some big numbers and, and some great songs in it, and I suddenly thought, hang on, I think I've missed a trick here. I think I better get back out on into the musical theatre, uh, just because I, I suddenly realised again how much I love it. And just at that time, I met my new agent now, Simon Bashford, a global artist, literally just by chance. And um, and he was he thought exactly the same thing. He said, "Well, let's let's go for that then, and let's really get back into." into and then this happened. Well, it's great <laughs> you managed to do it because yeah. I think so many people would say, "Oh, I'd love to do musical," but would just the opportunity would never arise. Yes, yeah, exactly. And I think it happens. Um, it, it's tricky to, to cross over, um, I, and I think. Uh, that's just the way to some extent the industry is kind of set up but I think it's changing I'm not sure but I think it is I think it's becoming easier but you know I'm very much thinking now especially you know releasing my first (laughs) solo EP um, that I I really want to actually get back into into musicals it's actually funny when you're doing plays you miss having music and then you know you need to get <laughs> you I, need I to get imagine. back into musical. Uh, as, I mean, to be honest, if you're doing something like Oscar Wilde, that the text and the and the you know the text kind of it's, it's so rich and, and so much fun to play with. 
that it it almost replaces having it, it makes up almost but it, but actually yeah you kind of realise you know and the other thing is I'd never really thought about doing something like you know like like an EP and that's been so much fun just doing the singing side of things which of course when you know when you're doing musical theatre tracks which is mostly what I've done on the EP you're, you're of course very much acting through the song so that's still there but it, but it's, it's such a different experience sort of being in a studio and and being right up close to the microphone like that and using your voice in that way so so I've really enjoyed that um, done a, a little bit of both sides now and I think now for me it's it's really going on the musical back onto the musical theatre track um, for the foreseeable future it's, it's great, great that you at the start of the year you, you wanted to, to do it and here you are yeah Exactly. Ten months later, exactly. doing it. Yeah, and when I met my, my agent Simon, as well, I remember Sunset Boulevard being one of the shows that were kind of that I'd heard about casting. It's like, oh, it'd be good to get in Sunset Boulevard. And then, lo and behold, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, talking about your EP. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, when when you're in the studio with the, with the mic right in front of you, as you say, do you find that it's a more vulnerable experience being in a studio or or in a theatre? Yeah. Well, in some ways, it is. It's just a different beast really it's kind of there's that pressure I think as soon as the record button goes on there's a different kind of pressure because you know that the microphone is, is going to pick up every tiny little um, subtlety in your voice um, actually the first job I ever did before I even went and trained is I actually got um, opportunity to be on the radio oh curious incident that's it curious incident he's done his research I have done my research <laughs> very good yeah um yeah, Curious Into the Dog in the Nighttime, uh, the Radio 4 do this series called Book at Bedtime, which was a really good gig to get, actually. It was, just came through the, through the school that I was at and through my drama teacher, and, uh, and I did that. And so, actually, my first ever experience of acting professionally was in front of a microphone. And I, I thought I'd like to think that helped a little bit, because you, you kind of... You, when you're acting in front of a microphone, obviously nobody can see you. So absolutely everything you're doing is just through your voice. And, and, and again, I think that's one of the other challenges when you're recording um, music in the studio, is that you've got to express every single thought just through the voice. You've there. almost got to over-express it as well. In you? a way, yeah. It's, it's of course not, to but make sure that you're not, not pushing in any way and that you're still in that natural place. And you get, but you get used to it. You, you basically, you know, you learn how much do you need in your, in your headphones and things like that and, and, and to what extent, you know, exactly where you want to stand for a certain note or a certain moment, you know, in front of the microphone and things like that. It's a different kind of pressure. But it must be nice to have a product at the end of it. You've got yeah. something to show for it. Yeah. What tracks are on there? How did you choose So we've got, uh, yeah, so we've got Bring Him Home, um, obviously from Les Mis, Take a Chance on Me, which is not the ABBA one. It's from Little Women. Um, oh, yes. Uh, Jason Howland and, and Mindy Dickstein. And Maria, obviously from My Sister Story. Till I Hear You Sing, which is from Love Never Die, sequel to Phantom of the Opera. Burn For You is the only rock pop um, track on there and it's a lovely ballad by a singer called uh, originally sung by a singer called John Farnham Australian singer who's amazing big fan of, of him um, and then Sunset Boulevard of course um, given. yeah exactly but um, it's called From the Heart and the process process of sort of choosing the tracks was in a way sort of simple in that it was it was just songs that I like basically. It was songs that somehow strike, strike a kind of emotional chord with me. Um, and and that's why, you know, some of them are very well known, some of them are not so well known. But that's ended up as quite a nice mixture, I think, because I've literally just gone with 
what do I enjoy? What do I get something out of when I'm actually singing them? Because hopefully that's the way to actually be doing the songs that people will enjoy hearing. Because then I've been able to have different ideas. Like, for instance, with a song like Bring Him Home, you can't just do Bring Him Home. You know, you've got to do something different. But then again, there's that tricky thing. If you don't want to try to do something different just for the sake of being different, it's got to somehow be organic. And what was really nice about, about that track is we had the idea kind of in the interim before a couple of the other songs that we'd recorded um, previously. Why don't we do some songs with, with guitar? And my brother is an amazing guitarist. So suddenly thought, well, why don't we, because we, we've actually been playing and singing together um, for a while, um, why don't we do a couple of tracks you know, with him? And then, so Bring Him Home kind of started like that, just intimately like that on the guitar. And then we were able to build on top of that a, a string section and to make that into a really interesting, different um, sound for Bring Him Home. Good on high, hear my prayer in my need. You have always been favourite or is it going to be Sunset? It's either Sunset or I really enjoyed Till I Hear You Sing. That's almost the one that is kind of brazenly, absolutely kind of passionate and emotional. And music, your music, it seizes at my ear. I turn and it fades away and I remember. We all have to judge for ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And just looking at your bio, I saw you, you sung with Elton John before at the, at the album. Oh, yeah, well, when I got into the Broad Academy of Music, that's what we did in week one. As you do. As you <laughs> so, do. Yeah, we had induction day. Mary Hammond kind of sat us down and showed us the ropes and everything. And, uh, and they said, oh, by the way, next week uh, we'll be doing a concert with Elton John at the Royal Albert Hall. And we said, what? That's incredible. You know, it's just absolutely surreal. And it was basically, we did a huge medley of all of his songs that he's written, you know, for musicals. Yeah, that was that was quite an experience and, and, and really surreal, you know. Did you get to meet him? Yes, yeah, we did. Yeah, he was lovely. He was lovely. I actually um, was always keeping up the concert work all the time. They always say to you, you know, when you leave, try to get as much experience as possible and try to get as much of a variety of experience. And variety is healthy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it as is. As much for the state of mind as for anything yeah. else, because then at least you don't yeah. get a fear that you're missing out on, on yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. And I think there always comes a point at which you go, OK, I think I'm starting to work out where I fit into the industry a bit more, where my place is in a way. But I think when you're starting out, you just throw yourself into it and just try absolutely everything to see and then eventually you kind of work out what, what works for you and stuff. You learn from everything, I know it sort of sounds cheesy, but you learn from every single job. You just, you pick up from absolutely everything that you're doing. In terms of, you know, never knowing what's around the corner, is that sort of how you how you cope with the auditioning process when, when, yeah. when you finish a job and you're waiting for the next one? Is it just, well, who knows what this week could bring? Exactly. I've started to approach auditions in a little bit of a different way in that I kind of go in there trying to, I know lots of people say this, but it's easier to say than it is to do, but you, you'll just go in and try to think about, you're just meeting some people and you're giving them your interpretation of the material that you've been given and you're really not trying to think, oh, getting the job. <laughs> and it is really hard. And then you have to kind of develop that thing of, okay, I've done it now. 
I'm going to walk away from the audition and, and not think about it. Again, that's really, really that hard. That must be even harder. <laughs> that is really, really hard. But, you know, usually after an audition, to be honest, there's usually that 24 hours where you can't stop thinking about it. But actually, if you keep yourself busy enough the next day, it, you kind of, you don't forget about it, of course, but you kind of can just get on with things. You're quite rare in that you've got such a varied CV, but yeah. it, it must be quite nice for you to go, oh, uh, hello, here I am, here's what I've been doing, yeah. this is where I've been. Yes. They must go, oh, okay, that's interesting. You're yeah. different. Yes, exactly. And they always say it's a good to have a kind of conversation starter and not... Because sometimes uh, I think you can you can have a panel kind of going through your, your credits and then you feel a little bit oh, put under the spotlight. But actually, they're just trying to make conversation, aren't they? And um, and sometimes it can be you know if you've just been away on a like I've done some cruise cruise jobs where I've just been on a ship for a week, you know, and then I've seen some really amazing places. And actually, if you start talking about things like that, if you actually start talking about your life experiences and, and, th- and things that you're doing sometimes outside of the industry as well, it just creates a whole new dynamic where they, of course, you know, you're back on that human level again and, and you're not thinking a bit too much like a kind of a pressurised situation. Um, so they start to see a person rather than just exactly, someone yeah. with, you know, 16 bars of the script. Exactly, exactly. And I think as well, when they're talking to you about your, your credits... It's not just getting you to list your credits, is it? It's kind of, what did you experience on that job? And what were some interesting things and what, you know, some funny things that happened or some uh, some things that you that you learned, or, you know. Um, and again, where did you go? You know, because sometimes you get taken to incredible, interesting places with this job. Fab. Yeah. Well, uh, time's ticking on. Yes. Getting ready. We're, we're so getting ready uh, soon, yeah. I'll let you go to your show. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank, Thank you very much. Everyone's forgotten how they started here on Sunset Boulevard. Since we did that interview, James has asked me to tell you that his wife, Mira Ormala, has been cast as Christine in The Phantom of the Opera in Oslo. They got married at Pinewood Studios in July. James is doing a pantomime while the Sunset Boulevard tour takes a break over Christmas. He's playing the Prince in Snow White in Broxbourne. His EP, From the Heart, is available now on iTunes, or you can order an actual physical CD from jamesmernier.com. To make sure you don't miss the next episode of Backstage With, hit subscribe now. You can also follow us on Twitter at backstage underscore with. This episode was produced and edited by me, Mikey Worrell. Backstage With is brought to you in association with What Goes On Media. Thanks for listening.